Q and A's. I'll just ask you what your notebooks say for your your notes for the paperwork. Sounds good. All right. Swapping over to live stream. Let me mute everybody's.
Boy, he could not be in the rhythm section. <laughs> <laughs> hey, everybody, and welcome to our percentile vice. I'm Rick, that's Emily, that's John, and we are joined again by the Backwater Games folks, Asa and Alex, as we go another round at and hopefully wrap up our adventures in Backwater. So, Asa, over to you. Do with us what you will. Yeah. So for those of you joining us for the first time, uh, again, Backwater is a Southern Gothic horror tabletop role-playing game that Alex and I created uh, and funded last year. It's the first of what we hope will be many role-playing games based on regional American Gothic horror. I've also mentioned this before, but check it out. We have a second book called Backroads coming out um, in just a couple of months. You can pre-order it now on itch.io. All of our games are set in a post-apocalyptic America known as the American Lands, and Backwater in particular is set in New Orleans. Our players are taking on the roles of wardens who are official peacekeepers of the American Lands, uh, and they have a pretty broad jurisdiction here. Our wardens for tonight are John as Gail Powers, Alex as Swifty, Emily as Annabelle with her good dog named Bones, and Rick, aka Steve, as Fontenot. Uh, with his uh, little yappy pup named Pogo. Swifty, I know you've got some notes for paperwork later. What happened in our last session? I do. Swifty's first notes are that Emily and John's names are reversed on the on the stream. Uh. <laughs> Swifty, <laughs> the attention to detail. It's incredible. This is not going to work for the paperwork. I'm going to need you to refill these out. <laughs> yeah, this, this paperwork is garbage, garbage and we're going to need to restart. <laughs> from the top. Uh, so first, Swifty has the medical report from the two bodies that we examined, uh, which indicated that they had been uh, killed in a violent way. Uh maybe one of them had discharged a weapon and we found that out thanks to Gail's super sniffer, which is his nose. Uh, <laughs> Swifty has specifically noted super sniffer, parenthetical statement, his nose. Uh, Especially useful on toes, it gets a plus two. That's right. Uh, was there, Dr. Annabelle, do you remember anything else about that? those bodies that was significant there's something with their eyes yeah they, <clears throat> their eyes would uh were staying open they had the kind of um i want to say like a it was a bluish white tint or something to that effect to them i think um, that's correct and i think we did identify that they were punctured with something either akin to or the same size of the screwdriver that gail found they also had some claw marks that's true Around okay. where the hands had grabbed him? Well, the one did. The other one didn't have any grabs. Grab hands. Just the one grabs. Just the one grabs. All right. Thank you, Dr. Annabelle and, and Gail. If you wouldn't mind signing those affidavits, uh, and I'll include them in the report. Can I borrow a pen? <sighs> no. Yes. Here you go. Swifty pulls out two, clicks them, hands them away. Uh, at that point, I also think that Fontenot and Gail went back to... Uh, Mr. Hamilton King's house and they did surveillance while Swifty and Annabelle did paperwork. Uh, and while Fontenot and Gail were at the residence, Fontenot awoken early, no doubt, by Pogo's tiny, tiny bladder, uh, <laughs> observed 
a street urchin of some renown, Gooseberry. I don't remember his full name. Mr. Yeah. Fontenot, do you remember the, the urchin's full name? Theodore. Theodore Philip Gooseberry the third. The third. That's Esquire. right. Uh, and Swifty has an extensive file on this miscreant, uh, but unfortunately Fontenot was not in possession of that file. And so he engaged the urchin in good faith. And the urchin told him that he had tickets to an upcoming performance that we believe the prima donna may be sus in, uh, a suspect in the killings. We think she might be a etranger or a vampire or something. Um, <clears throat> and after relaying that information, the urchin then conned Mr. Fontenot out of a number of coin before running away. I would just like to point out that your paperwork would reveal none of that. <laughs> oh, no. Speculative. I, <laughs> purely speculative, right. This warden speculates it was less of a con and more of a, I don't know. <laughs> A something. Uh, I also believe we went to the library we, where we did some research and discovered that there were missing persons around the grain depots around at the river. Uh, and we also discovered information about étrangers, which are shapeshifters and vampires, which are vampires. <laughs> <laughs> which is super shocking to us all. That's right. We're like, whoa. Whoa. Uh, with tickets in hand, there was still some time, so we went down to investigate the grain depot where we found that the workers were off for the day because their demolitions expert was missing uh, and could not be found, and so work could not proceed. And this is construction that's going to tear down the depots and build a new headquarters in New Orleans for Providence Trading Company, which is a very wealthy uh, corporation out of the heartlands. Um I think we ended with us finding the the flashlight or something of the nope. We found I'm getting like a, a liquor bottle in a barn door. Okay, because I was the sun is shaking its head <clears throat> no at me. <laughs> sun said no. It's like mm mm nope you're nope Swifty, you're wrong. <laughs> uh, like a liquor Teletubby baby in yeah. the sun. Uh. Yes. <laughs> That's what I imagine. <laughs> Game masters usually look like. <laughs> uh, that's right, because the demolitions expert was an alcoholic, which is a great combination. Yeah. Didn't you just play a demolitions expert in a in another game recently, Alex? No? I did. <laughs> Probably based and on your character. <laughs> may, he may or may not have been an alcoholic. I'm not... <laughs> not at liberty to Can neither discuss. confirm nor deny. The last thing I'll just add to that recap is that the Providence Company, these construction sites, um, they are run by the person that our wardens are trying to protect. He uh, manages them, and these are technically his construction sites that he is overall in charge of. So it's connected to the, the big goings on in the overarching story. So as Swifty recapped for us, you all left off at these Providence company, company construction sites. These are sites for a new warehouse, which is being built on what's essentially an empty lot just beyond the small inlet for barges mm -hmm. on the Mississippi River. At the moment, the building is just a wooden skeleton. It's uh, on, a, like I said, this relatively empty lot, which spreads eastward toward a group of abandoned depots, one of which has already been demolished for the building's expansion. 
and you all were checking out uh, the one that had been demolished. And while looking at it, you noticed that there was this old tin barn style door and underneath it, you found a bottle of half empty liquor. I would like to take a look at the barn door. You said, did you say it was um, like a metal barn door? Are there any like rusted holes in the barn door or seams where panels of metal overlap? I'm specifically looking for uh, places where light could get in and, and looking to see if somebody has attempted to plug those holes mm -hmm. in the door. So in, uh, so this particular barn door is part of the building that's been demolished recently already. So it's on the ground and all the metal is torn up and everything, but there are, there are definitely holes, some rusted through, they are not plugged up. Okay. Uh, point of order, do we remember if vampires are susceptible to sunlight? Was that in the book that we got in the library? I forget if they can be day walkers or not. Uh, you all did have a piece of information, and it said that uh, vampires prefer to hunt in the dark. They can go out in the light, but they do not. They just do not like it. They're sensitive to it. That's not bad to them. Gotcha. <clears throat> and I thought it was. I thought I remembered us reading somewhere that they sometimes hold up in dark places and we'll use like cloth and whatever to plug up the holes to keep the sunlight out. So that's why I was checking out the door to see if maybe this had been a, right. a warren of such. Good point. Good point. All right. So we were spending some time here investigating this because we had some hours to burn before showtime mm -hmm. tonight. So we just got to the, these ruins. Um, what can you tell me about the bottle of liquor? Now, this is a bottle of whiskey that you're looking at. Uh, one of the things that you can tell right away is that uh, it's been uncorked before. Um, it's been opened, I guess, is the main point of it. And, uh, and like I said, it's about half empty. Hey, y'all, this local is brand. about half full. I'd say it's half empty. I'd, I'd say it's liquor. <laughs> um, do we see any other unusual objects in the debris? Anything um, <clears throat> that just stands out otherwise? Um, not initially. You can make a search roll if you'd like to look around in this area. So I'm at a straight roll on this. I got a 17. Alrighty. So you start digging through the pile and it looks like what you might expect from, uh, from the debris of, uh, of these partially demolished depots. It's lots, lots of twisted tin and aluminum, nails, um, wood. And after looking through it for a while, you stop and you look around 
And there's another abandoned depot right next to this one. And as you walk over towards that depot, you sort of spot something sticking out of the patchy grass. And it appears to be a construction boot. And also next to it is a roll of detonation cord. <clears throat> uh, boys, you might want to come over and take a look at this. I've seemed to have come across a, a boot and what I can only assume is some sort of a destination a detonation cord uh, leading me to believe this belonged to our demolitions expert. Uh, so Swifty will approach and he's got his Bowie knife out. Um, and he picks up the boot and Swifty has all of his clothing, you know, there are labels in it so that no one accidentally grabs his uniform or his mug or whatever. Is, is there a name in like in the boot that we could use to identify? Uh, give me a, a luck roll here. If he fails, will it be Calvin Klein? <laughs> <laughs> All right. I rolled a 12 and my luck value is even. Hey. Yeah. You look at the tongue of the boot and it says Nash, which you would recall as the last name of the demolitions expert. Abner Nash it was. It appears you have found his boot. And I would assume One of them. that the detonation cord there belonged to him as well. Now, the question is, did he leave his boot and his uh, cord here, or has something happened to Mr. Nash? Perhaps we should continue our search of the area. Um, I, I agree wholeheartedly. I think we might want to check over in this other abandoned building, though. This seems to be leading towards that direction. Before... Everybody walks off. Does the cord look to be cut or chewed? It appears to have been cut. Okay. Yeah, if the answer to that was chewed, that was a brilliant question. <laughs> brilliant. <clears throat> now, commonplace question at best. <laughs> so we moved from the demolished building over to one that was scheduled to be demolished, the next one in the row in in. And moving towards that is where we found the boot and the cord. Um, is there anything else on the ground on the outside of this second as yet undemolished building? Yeah, so I'll stick with Annabelle's search role here, if you'd like. Um, sure. Also, add you both have uh, dogs. Let me see. Emily, uh, Annabelle has a wolfhound. Mm -hmm. So I don't think it's a wolfhound, but maybe... One of them has keen sense, uh, uh, keen sensibility. Is that the wolfhound or the mutt? I mean, look. But they have best of two with search rolls that involve scent, so that could be a useful thing here. That would be uh, Bones has best of two on melee rolls. Yeah. So Pogo has snuffle, best snuffle. of two on search and survival rolls using scent. Yeah, he's Pogo, nice. Pogo, use snuffle. It's super effective. <laughs> the worst Pokemon. <laughs> No. Or the best. The best one. Do you want to use Snuffle? Yes. Go ahead and make your roll. Mm. <laughs> it's well, not very effective. Best of two, and uh, they are six and a seven. So uh, 
that uh, what 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 modifier would get added to that into um, vigilance or not vigilance, but uh, I think wisdom is what it'd be there. But I think it, you should have the skill on there. I think I threw it in there for you. So he's got search, which is plus three. So seven plus three is ah, ten. There it is. Yep, ten. Uh, Pogo sort of sniffs the boot and then uh, sniffs around and starts leading you in the opposite direction of the depot on them. I believe Pogo is uh, is caught a scent. Uh, I'll, I'll start following Pogo. And Pogo leads you over to that demolished pile of a building and straight up to that empty liquor bottle, or half empty or half full. Um, and you know, you look at a liquor bottle. Pogo, it is not five o'clock. <laughs> well, congratulations, Pogo. You have uh, successfully determined that which we already knew. Uh, well, we can confirm that this is, in fact, Abner Nash's liquor bottle. I he assume that gone. he may have well been in a state where he might just step right out of his shoe. That's very true. You I think imagine maybe Pogo he... looks. Sorry, go ahead, John. You go ahead, Alex. I was going to say, I imagine Pogo looks very proud. Just like standing there quivering, like, I did it. He's definitely barking. Yeah. <laughs> I'm a good boy. I will pat Pogo once upon the head and. Uh, then uh, scoop him up with my hand and walk back to the <laughs> to the the boot, place him back upon the ground, and say, "And then which way did he go?" Well, uh, Pogo starts following Annabelle around, who, it, using her uh, search role, continues to look around the depot, and Annabelle finds just a. Uh, two other items here on the front end of the depot. There is, again, a big barn door. Of course, this one's not demolished. It's on the actual building still. And next to it is this uh, sort of old world fiberglass door uh, that's still standing here. And both of them have uh, big padlocks on the front of them. But between them is a, uh, a keg of gunpowder. And Annabelle, next to the keg of gunpowder, you find an open toolbox. <clears throat> okay. Um, I'm going to kind of look through the toolbox to see if I see any rhyme or reason, anything that maybe appears to be missing. You know, like a screwdriver set that's missing one out the middle. That kind of stuff. Yeah. As you start digging through, you find a hammer. You find some, you know, pliers, needle nose pliers, a level. And one of the things that you don't find in there is a screwdriver. Yeah. Well, gentlemen, I seem to have located the toolbox where the school screwdriver most likely came from. Uh, this uh, toolbox seems to be missing it. If the shoe fits, which obviously Mr. Nash's did not. It's a good point now. 
given that uh, we found his boot and then in close proximity to this toolkit next to a keg of explosive device that would be part of his job, one might surmise, though could not prove at this point, that this is indeed his toolbox. Perhaps he has put his name on it, as most workers are wont to do. It's quite possible, yes. I do know they said that they have a community of tools, so it's it's possible that they're only going to have the company name on it. But um, I'll look around, see if there's a name on the toolbox. Or maybe like, you know, a liquor bottle tossed in the bottom of the toolbox. You know, people who have toolboxes throw random shit in there all the time. Perhaps a <laughs> recently used library card with his name upon it. <laughs> Is this Calvin Klein? No. Uh, <laughs> Damn you, Klein! <laughs> yeah, you you dig through the tools, and you know the top lifts out, and underneath you find uh, a couple of flasks, one of which uh, is definitely empty and open, and then there's a closed flask next to it, and it has some initials engraved on it, A N. I'm gonna hold that up. Well. I think uh, south of a name, this is probably as good. I'm going to give it a little sniff and see if it kind of matches the same liquor that we found over yonder. Uh, it does. It's, you know, smells strongly of whiskey and like maybe a bit of a hint of a, like a leather catcher's mitt. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Uh <clears throat> what, Swifty? what is the uh mechanically in in the game um the the reward that a uh, uh, game master can give to players for good role playing what is that called again uh, adrenaline point yeah. yeah um i would like you to take another adrenaline <laughs> yeah. point as the game master right <laughs> and the audience who's not following this along that was an inside awful inside joke terrible, terrible awfully inside. and we will not repeat it truly awful we're not gonna <laughs> hit me up uh, on twitter though i'll tell you there <laughs> swifty is looking around at like the the setup of the of the keg and he doesn't know shit about explosives so he's gonna look at Fontenot and be like is this like ready to go like does this do you think this needs just like a a push and it'll blow up or is there like more that needs to be done to get it ready uh so can i do kind of a assess or deduce looking at this setup knowing that we've got a, a detonation cord in our hands now and figure out uh, you know how close was this to uh, being ready to go. Well, uh, why don't you give me a lore tech roll? Oh, that's even better. You actually have that? I do. Nice. Uh, I yeah. thought he was being a little facetious. No. Facetious. Don't know. you have anything in explosives or anything like that? Mm -mm. Oh. I couldn't remember what all you were good at. I'm a nature boy. Nature Woo. boy. Nature, nature boy. Woo! Pretty neat. Guys, yeah. we promise to be serious. <laughs> now I'm just picturing John in a lovely feathered robe. I can text you that picture later. Thank you. <laughs> Sorry, I was just checking out my first level abilities. Um, but neither one of them apply here. But thanks for sticking with me while I looked at that. So, my... Lower tech roll is a plus three. 
Six. Oh, Think it's time for some new dice, my guy. Here, take mine. <laughs> Please, anything but those dice. You've had two sixes and a seven. I, yeah, that that six was post modification. That was a three on the Oh dice. God. <laughs> so uh Swifty asks, does this keg look ready to blow? And uh Fontenot bends down to the keg, takes a big whip and says no beer in this keg at all. <laughs> he must have drank it all. He is indeed the alcoholic we suspected. <laughs> I'm telling you, he is completely devoid of liquor at this point. Um, no, I'm... Uh, That's I'm, important. Um, Swift, yeah. Swifty's just curious if, like, if there is a monster living in here that was maybe trying to defend its, its space, if if it somehow had the reasoning capacity to know that what happened over there is going to happen here. And so I, I got to stop this guy, if that makes sense. But if we're, un if we're unsure of this, the state of the explosiveness of it, Swifty just wants to secure the perimeter and then check inside. And it sounds like we've done a pretty decent perimeter sweep already. I have a flint and steel. We could well, no. do it the old-fashioned way. We will not be doing that. Um, can I can I make a, a plea to get to take a roll, a crack at whether or not I think that um, this thing... I, I have a reason. So oh, yeah. I have craft compound. Mm -hmm. So I feel like there's some similarities there, and I might be able to tell if he had all the bits and pieces he would have needed to make the big boom. Yeah. Yeah, maybe you've uh, fiddled a little bit here and there with gunpowder before. So why don't you give me that that craft compound roll? He's such a nice game master. I would have said no just because you seem so needy. But just because you said that, I rolled a three. <laughs> no! So I got a six as well. <laughs> Thanks for jinxing it. I'm here. Well, this looks like no tinkerture I've ever made. You know, sometimes you could blow up a locked door. So could I use my locksmith? No, I'm a good reason. There are, in fact, padlocks keeping these doors closed. If we'd like to further investigate on the inside, perhaps you could pick one of those locks. With the gunpowder. <laughs> gunpowder lockpick. Most effective. It sounds like a Quentin Tarantino movie. Right. It really does. <laughs> Are there any windows that we can see around the building or like gaps in structure that we could possibly get a glimpse inside through? Yeah. So, Gail, you look up and around, you know, you've got all these survival skills in the nature and in the city. So you're always paying attention to these things on the, you notice that on what would be like a first floor level, there are no windows, but there are some on the second floor uh, sort of level. And you also notice that, uh, and you might expect this too, there's sort of skylight style openings on the roof. Um, they are, you know, weaker sort of, um, yeah, uh, weaker, I don't know what they are, fiberglass or something along those lines too. Kind of transparent-ish fiberglass. Yep. And uh, they're very old and you might assume they're super, super crumbly um, too. As you walk around and check out the perimeter, maybe Swifties following you along, admiring admiring your technique, you do actually notice um, with your passive vigilance here that 
there is this, uh, there is a part of the ground floor, which you might presume from the explosion or the demolishment of the nearby depot that might have damaged this one. Uh, and it looks like some of the aluminum could peel back uh, and open up into uh, this depot. I'm gonna very timidly reach in kneel down and try to peel it back and see what I can see inside of there. Because before I pick the lock or attempt to, I want to know if we're being locked out or something else is being locked in. Very good question. You peel it back and you look inside and it's extremely dark inside. When you take a peek through the hole, you can maybe only see five to 10 feet into the darkness here. And there's like little pins of light coming through, but just not enough to illuminate the depot. <clears throat> and it, about 10 feet away from you is a large support column. And next to it is another keg of gunpowder. What does the hole smell like? What does the air inside of it smell like? Swifty is already taking notes. Super Sniffer says... <laughs> when you take a deep whiff, it smells like something rotting, maybe old grain, but something really musty. Something musty that doesn't remind me of old grain? Or something that doesn't seem like it is off for old grain. Mostly smells like this old moldy grain, old moldy musty grain, but maybe a scent of, of something else in there too. Gonna let it go and look at Swifty and say, now Swifty, it does smell like some, some, uh, chuffed grain if you will but uh might be a little something else in there too i'm not sure if it's just from the workers being in there or what but something don't smell too grainy to me in there do we was there any information on if either of the monsters that we were researching had a particular odor I would say no, there wasn't anything in particular in the research about there. And there's nothing in the manual. <clears throat> However, I think I think that's good to know, even if it's just like rats of un, un big size, you know, big big rats. That's not a thing we want to deal with. You could be right. Were you able I mean, to see anything? No, I I saw a support column, <clears throat> and that's about it. It's really dark then, in there. Does anyone have a flashlight or a... Well, I have something that might be able to help. And I'm going to take out like a small pocket knife and I'm going to prick my finger. And I'm going to light my finger ablaze with a small flame coming from the blood on my finger. And I'm going to hold my hand inside the As hole. she's reaching... Wait, wait, there is a keg of gunpowder right there. Well, I, I think it's <laughs> a tiny flame. 
absolutely minuscule, I promise. And I'm going to come, I'm going to kind of lean him down. Come on, come look. And I'm going to put my hand like in the hole a little bit to kind of illuminate it for him. I'm going to back away from the building. <laughs> it is the tiniest flame. Yes, but well, my you. unfavorable traits include timid. Hmm. And unlucky. And unlucky. <laughs> you know who's not timid or unlucky? Pogo. He'll go in there. He's not afraid. I like to think that the last thing that Gail sees is Annabelle giving the middle finger <laughs> some flames. A hundred percent. So then I guess I will look with my little finger torch. Yeah. So you uh, hold out your finger torch and... Um, on. And it gives you a little bit of extra light, um, not a ton, but maybe an extra five to 10 feet of light around you. And inside you do see this large grain pile um, beyond that support pillar. And you also see some old rusted machinery, like an old skid steer or something um, over there. Okay. Do you know what a skid steer is? Like a Vaguely. bobcat? Yeah. Um, well, gentlemen, it seems to be that, uh, there's just some old equipment that's sitting in there. Um, I don't see anything out of the ordinary. I can't see too far back, but I don't see anything too out of the ordinary. How much light do we have outside? Like if we were to open the doors, how much illumination would we get into the building? You would get a lot for sure. It's a big barn door, so it really lighted up. I mean... Both of the things that, well, if it's, if the vampire is a vampire, then it's not going to like us opening the doors. So I suggest that we do that and then be ready if something jumps out at us and Swifty takes out his bow and arrow. I'm in 100% agreement. You know, it's time for us to uh, enter this uh, facility and find out uh, what there is to find. Well, I don't know about all this, but. I was thinking about picking that lock. Is there any uh, uh, aid, help, assist function in the mechanics of this game? Uh, not in this instance, but John can take time, uh, which would be take an extra five minutes. And if he has proficiency in the skill, he gets to add it twice. So, John, for example, if you had plus two, uh, to locksmith, you could actually get plus four. I'm at zero, so that wouldn't be too helpful <laughs> for me. It's <laughs> a minimum of plus one, so there we go. I'm a plus three to locksmith. What? Yeah. Oh, the number on the side counts? Yeah, so like yeah. I'm at a negative one, and then I'm a plus three, so that for me is a I would be a plus two. Okay, so I would actually be... I have plus one for aptitude and zero, so I would be at plus, plus two. One. Yeah, if you did it for the five minutes, yeah. yeah so do that. And Take I have the, the locksmith kit. What does the locksmith kit give me Important. anything? Just uh, allows you to make the roll normally. Otherwise, you'd have to improvise it. Okay. That is a 16. Very nice. Nice. So you take a little bit of extra time here. Um, you pull out your locksmith kit and you just start going to work on this padlock. It's definitely like a newer padlock. 
maybe the construction site had put it on to keep people out of there after they cleared them out. Um, but it doesn't take you too long in order to pop that padlock open on the barn door. It jangles off and I pick it up in my hand and say, all right, guys. So it's like a single door that swings open. Is it double doors? Are they on slides? How, how does this door open? Barn style. So this is the big sliding one. Looks real rusty on the track up top. All right. Well, I'm going to slide on my brass knuckles and get ready to open the door. And I'll pull yeah. it back. You know, I'll, uh, seems like maybe pushing this door open might be a two-man job. So, let's. Uh, Do you want me to roll a strength? <laughs> no, we're good here. Yeah, the two of you uh, saddle on up to the door, and as you start to slide it open, it really creaks and squeals. Um, all the rust makes quite a racket, but you pull it all the way open. You can hear maybe some pigeons flutter inside and a little bit of the echo from all the noise of the door, but enough light shines in and inside you see what you might expect in this old depot, old rusted machinery, some rotted pallets, some expired organic material, which you might assume to be grain. There are uh, two large piles of it in the center of the room. It, uh, let's see here, the things that might stick out to you though is there are six large support columns that are holding up a catwalk that sort of goes around the depot and then cuts diagonally across. And next to five of these columns are kegs of gunpowder. At the far end of the room, this is the last thing, uh, you see a stairwell that goes up a floor. I want to place Pogo upon the ground, give him another sniff of the half-empty bottle of liquor, and ask him, go find, go find Pogo. Where is, it? Is, the, is the gentleman in here? You want to roll again for a search to get him sniffing? I mean, don't particularly, <laughs> don't but maybe Pogo don't. rolls better than I do. <laughs> he gets best of two, doesn't he? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Well, the first one's a one. <laughs> the other one's a 10, plus three is 13. It's solid. Okay. Uh, Pogo begins sniffing, and right away he leads you over to the place that Gail had found earlier, that place where the tin had peeled. And he actually, uh, now that with the light shining in, you see some drag marks going past the, the hole in the wall there. And the drag marks lead up to the stairs that head up a flight. And Pogo uh, goes up to the base of the stairs and begins to yap loudly as he's wanting to do. Probably because he needs help getting up to that first step. Yeah, he's too little. Right. Aww. So uh, I'm going to walk towards Pogo, but as I'm doing, 
the drag marks, does it appear as if like a person is dragging a thing or is it possible that I'm seeing like a thing two, dragging a person right <laughs> like two heel marks you know being drug or is it like what a, a big keg of powder would would cause as a drag mark or so hmm. yeah I'm trying to determine yeah. if it looks like a, per, a body has been drugged or if it's an object that has been drugged yeah I like that you can have an adrenaline point for that and as you look at the ground, it is definitely a pair of heels being dragged. Uh, one of them appears to be bigger than the other. Uh, maybe that one still has a boot on it. Well, I've uh, found something here. Well, I should not take all the credit. Pogo was the inspiration for it all. But if you look here, there are drag marks. It appears to be two human feet being dragged through here as if somebody was was uh, dragging somebody while holding the upper part of their body. And uh, you'll notice on the drag marks that one is considerably wider and bigger than the other. And I think that would account for the fact that uh, poor Mr. Nash has lost a boot. But I think we may be found that uh, Mr. Nash has met an uh, untimely uh, set of circumstances. And the drag marks seem to go up the stairs. So I, I think we like should this. all be on our watch. I'm sorry. What was that, uh, Swifty? Don't like this. Uh, but Swifty is, uh, I think, the best equipped. So he's going to start heading up the stairs carefully with his bow. And then if other people want to follow, that's fine. I'm going to remove my revolver from my, my little harness and uh, place Pogo into the harness in place of the revolver. <laughs> And make my way up the stairs behind Swifty. Uh, I know that's just too, it's, it's too cute, fucking cute. I'm going to reach into my pocket and get one of Bones' dog treats and break off like an eighth of it, like a pogo size. You're promising size. him a Scooby snack if he's going to go do the dangerous no, thing? No, <laughs> I'm going to hand one to Pogo and tell uh, him he did a good job. And then I'm going to give Bones one and I'm going to send him up the stairs right behind Swifty. And then I'm going to hold up the, the rearish end of the things. So Swifty, Bones, and... Whatever my guy's name is, Fontenot. <laughs> Whatever <laughs> right. my name is. That guy. Uh, yes. Yeah. I would like to examine the hole before I move on with them. The section. <laughs> <laughs> Not this time. The aluminum that's been peeled back. Is there any sort of marking on the inside as though a clawed hand has pulled it out? No marking on the inside, but you notice that it sort of is bent inwards. Um, and you could probably deduce that what actually maybe had caused this is the something falling from the other demolition site or blowing or falling into leaning onto it, damaging the tin siding here. Okay. I'll follow them then. And... Give me a luck roll here, Gail. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Well, the great thing is you don't have to roll high or low. You just got to roll opposite or Even whatever your, sex, your selection was. I think yours is odd. I, mine is odd, but I will remind you once again, even though I know you've already said it, I do have the unlucky, unfavorable trait. You know, it's funny as I have that too. And I did roll odd. Sorry. I have unlucky as well. <laughs> 
So, given your luck here, as you're walking over towards a stairwell, you catch a whiff of something. And bones for it's, it. <laughs> you just say sorry, sorry. <laughs> sorry. I get nervous. <laughs> I get the toots. Pogo. <laughs> I swear. Uh, it's because you squeeze. It's because you squeeze into that little carrier. That's true. He's and a perfect fit. Not just musty grain that you smell. You catch a stronger whiff of that other scent, but it is coming from the grain pile. Follow your nose. I'm going to look up and see how far they've gotten. And they don't look too far up. So I'm going to just with my foot start sloughing away the grain and seeing what's if anything, underneath. As you start to slop away the grain, something leaps out of the grain and at your foot. Here we go. I'm Make going to try resolve. to punch it. <laughs> <laughs> Make, okay, I'll let you do that. Make a resolve roll first. Okay. So with these rolls, you roll a d20. You try to roll equal to or under your current resolve points. So you start, you have 10. So you try to roll equal or under to 10. That didn't happen. I rolled a 15. <laughs> okay. So uh, basically this just means that it really freaked you out. Resolve is like a stress mechanic in here. And uh, you end up losing four resolve points. Wow. Uh, that's like a lot. He peed himself Thanks. a little. He had 10 to start and he lost four. That's like 20 or 27% right there. Definitely. Ma the math is, is sound. He was probably going a little bit off the top on the grain and something jumped out at him and the rest of the wardens here, ah, oh God. <laughs> They're like the, the girlish scream. Turn around. What is wrong with you? Something, some, a rat or something jumped out of the grain. I'm, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm going to look around. Can make we me, see what it was? Go ahead. Yeah, make me a melee roll first because you said you're going to try to punch at it right away. Yes. <laughs> with your brass knuckles. <laughs> Punching a rat with brass knuckles as it flies through midair. <laughs> I got the roll I wish I had gotten last time, which is a one. <laughs> punches his own foot. <laughs> My you, shoe not you so your own leg, and with your great brass knuckles, which say what do they say? D I P O O S backwards. Yep. <laughs> uh, your leg now has this large uh, imprint that says "stupid" on it. <laughs> stupid leg. And I hate you, leg. <laughs> go ahead and roll your. Well, we won't make you take the full damage for that. <laughs> right, you only you take uh one damage that's it okay most of that was to ego right <laughs> right pride is severely wounded it's another four resolve no. <laughs> screamed like a um, girl in front of all your friends you. 
was a rat, as you, you all thought, and it just goes straight to your foot. And as you punch your leg, you kick out, and the rat just goes flying off into one of the darker shadows of the building. And you look around, and where the rat had crawled out, you see a very pale white hand falling out of the grain. Whoa, whoa. Guys. And, and, and Annabelle. What, is there a spider now? <laughs> no. Spiders aren't a joke, Annabelle. They're Spiders dangerous. don't have fingers either. There's a hand here. I'm going to peer over the railing. Well, I'll be damned. Are you sure it's not a big spider with five legs? No, that's most certainly a hand. All right, I'm on my way. I'm going to come back down. Look at the, the hand. Is the hand attached to the rest of a body? It is indeed. As you begin to uncover the grain over the hand, it is attached to a larger body, and it appears to be a man. Um, and this man, double check here, is appears to be maybe in his 60s or so. Okay. Does he have on one boot? He has, uh, and to confirm, he is in his 60s, and he is wearing two boots and clothes and all that sort of stuff. Just an older man. Well, wasn't there is... a missing gentleman in his 60s? I believe there was. Mr. Fontenot, wasn't there a note in your book? There was. Let's see here. That would have been... Uh, John Pierre? Jean Pierre? Jean, yes, that guy. <laughs> um, yes, I believe if I could read my writing, it would say in his 60s. Well, certainly not Mr. Nash. Um, this gentleman has both of his sets of footwear. Yeah, Swifty's going to keep going up to see if he can secure find Nash and secure the perimeter. That's what the manual wants us to do. Exactly. So we'll start with Swifty, but before we flip over there, um, Gail, that there is definitely a strong scent coming from this definitely dead man, but you think that there's more of that scent around here. Could I possibly try to suss out where these scents are coming from, or is that a little bit too much? Is it too ever-present? Um, I think we could let you do that. Let's start with uh, Swifty walking up the stairs. So Swifty, it's you and then Bones. And then, or is Bones still with you, Annabelle, or no? Um, I'm still going to send him with Swifty. He's okay. an attack dog, so that's where he needs to be. And Fonno, are you heading upstairs with Swifty now? Yes. Okay. So, Swifty, you continue to walk up these stairs, and they are very industrial uh, stairs, but they appear to be quite rusted and unstable. And with every step, they rattle beneath your feet. And Bones looks a little wary behind you as he cautiously proceeds up these steps. You reach the top of the stairs, 
and you hear a loud creak as the floor gives away beneath you. Ah! Make a reflex roll. Okay. That's a thing I might be okay at. Yeah, so just a d20 plus whatever that modifier yep. is. Got a plus three. Nice. That is a 13. Alrighty. Uh, the floor gives way beneath you, and you fall through, but at the last second, you catch onto the metal platform above, and you are dangling there. I will uh, scurry up the last few steps and attempt to lend an aid there, perhaps laying my body down upon the upper floor to spread the weight out a little bit more and reach down to grab it. And you're able to, the two of you are able to pull him up. And Swifty, you are on the uh, top floor now. And on this top floor, it's a lot darker. The light from the door downstairs sheds plenty of light on the first floor, but isn't quite reaching up here. Uh, directly next to you, there is a door which seems presumably to go into a room at the edge of the building. Otherwise, the platform continues directly in front of you to the south uh, or directly to the east. Mr. Fontenot, do you have light? A lantern? I have a torch, and if you'll give me just a minute with my flint and steel, I can light it. And before doing that, I'm going to look around and make sure that I'm plenty good distance away from any of the, the bottle, the kegs of uh, uh, powder, and that there are none up here. Uh, and if that's the case, then I'm going to use my flint and steel to light my torch. Yeah. I... I, I'm using my bow and arrows, so I don't have a free hand, but torch plus gun is all doable, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, if it's a handgun, yeah. Yeah. So uh, you have your gun in one hand, torch in the other, right, Fontenot? Yep. And you uh, hold it up, and you can see a little bit further around you. Uh, across the platform that's in front of you, like I said, goes to east and, the, east and the south. You can see a catwalk that goes diagonally across. Uh, it doesn't meet up into your corner, but it seems to go kitty, kitty, or it's the other corners um, of this building here. Directly to your south, you can see two more doors in the distance, and to the east, you can see at least one more door at the very far end of the, of the platform. All right, so Swifty's going to call down that there are multiple rooms up here that we might want to check out, uh, but to be careful, just in case. So let's go back to Gail and uh, Annabelle. Gail, you are trying to sift around through uh, the grain and see if you can sniff anything else out. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Um, I'm going to say that it's not that difficult, so you don't need to make a roll or anything. You just begin to sift through it, and the deeper you get into the grain, the stronger the stench. And as you sort of begin to push it away, you are able to uncover two more bodies 
One is a child, a young boy, and the other one is a woman maybe in her 40s. Hey, y'all, I found the other two. These seem to be all the bodies that uh, are all the missing persons that we are aware of. Young man. Except for Nash. It's almost like I can hear Swifty. <laughs> it's uh, a hallucination from all the paperwork. It is. It's yeah. racking my brain. Um, it's all the ink you've been inhaling. <laughs> turning into like a mad hatter. Um, I'm going to lean a little closer to the first body with my little finger torch because I get that for an hour and try to mm -hmm. examine him for cause of death. Yeah. Signs of trauma to the eyeball regions. That kind of stuff. Yeah. Wait, uh, do you want to do all of them at once or do you want to do Hey, I just want to do a basic overall look at the body, see if I can determine any cause of death and or abnormalities. Yeah. So these bodies look similar to the ones that you saw um, at the temple, the Abramus temple earlier. They are very, very pale and their eyes are wide open uh, with this bluish glaze to them. You uh, can make a nurse physical role here to see if there's anything in particular that might have caused Okay, that. I can do that. Nurse physical. I'm at a plus three. We're on 11, so 14. Yeah. And you actually feel pretty confident about this. There's like no outward signs of uh, of damage or anything like that that would have killed these uh, people. Uh, so it's very, very peculiar to you um, why they why they are dead if there's you know, no signs of outward trauma. Okay. Gail, I can't find any puncture wounds, any uh, injuries. They seem to have just either suffered some sort of internal damage I can't see here or simply keeled over. You know, people today just ain't as healthy as they used to be. Or they were murdered in some strange fashion. Look at the eyes, same blue tint that we saw at the ones at the Abrams Temple. Aside from the puncture wound to the neck, these are nearly identical. It's a mere coincidence at this point, but it obviously leads to a bigger question of what's causing such an affliction to these bodies. I'd like to examine the fingers of these people. Fingers, fingernails. Hey, go ahead and... Uh... Are you gonna sniff them? Uh, make me a. You can make me an ancestral. Uh, well, tell me what you're looking for. First Claws. Claws. Gotcha. Yeah. So you do not need to make an ancestral for that. Uh, you look at their fingernails, and uh, you know the kid. He chews his fingernails a lot. You can tell, but no claws there. Um, yeah, the woman's fingernails are very clean, well manicured. But definitely no claws there. And the older man's are yellowed, a bit more frail and um, thicker with age, but definitely definitely no claws on those fingernails. That's the kind of quality gaming you get here when you get distinct differences in the fingernails of three different people. And the, the picture you drew in my head of uh, 
the old man's fingernails was particularly disgusting. The 40-year smoker with the nicotine stain nail. Based on my mom's hands. <laughs> oh, I'm telling your mom. Sorry, mom. <laughs> Rick, could you, Rick, could you make us a resolve roll, please? <laughs> yeah, you pick me because I'm rolling so low. <laughs> no, because you're the most disturbed. For you yourself, losing losing resolve. That's right. Well, I rolled high, so I don't know what to make of it. Well, let's uh, let's join the others and tell them what we found. They should be aware that something's going on here, and they need to be on their toes. Um, did we see them fall through the ceiling? <laughs> Yeah, and you look up and it's Swifty dangling and all this paperwork falls out of his pocket. <laughs> as, he, as he's hanging there, no! as he's hanging there, I'm going to say, hey, Swifty, what form do you have to fill out for this? 32A. <laughs> if anything looks like it's falling faster than a sheet of paper, I'm going to assume it's sausage and I'm going to all out Full dive for it. To keep the sausage from hitting this nasty ground. Save the sausage. All these socks full of sausages. <laughs> it's <laughs> raining sausage. Hallelujah. No, but so are I'm you gonna going upstairs head upstairs. to join them now? Yeah, yeah, to join them. So you all walk up the same Ricky steps, and when you get up to the top, Bonno is holding a torch in a one hand in one hand and a pistol in the other. And shining the light around and you can see the same thing that they saw which is to the south down this platform this sort of suspended platform there are three doors and down the platform to the east is one door at the very end and you just too many shadows it's too dark up top for you to see uh, kitty corner in this building well Y'all want to split up? Take sides? Nope. <laughs> <laughs> Are we going to do it anyways? Probably. Yeah. Um, I have one source of light. You have a source of light. I said we split up in the same manner which we were. Okay. Uh, do you want to take the other side or the side we're on now? Um, I think Swifty might be a little clumsy. We might want to let him take the side we're on now and we walk on over there. Yeah. There's so much paperwork. If he falls, I just, I'm not into that. Yeah. So we'll go to the other side. So Swifty and Fontenot, you're staying, you're heading south then where there are the three doors in front of you. Yes. Yep. How would you like to approach them just in order? Um, yeah, I think we just go methodically and Fontenot, do you think like you open the door and I've got my bow and arrow and you're providing light. And then if nothing immediately jumps out, I'll, I'll go in and yeah, do a I'll sweep. stand to the side of the door uh, to open it. And then, you know, kind of low. So it wouldn't be in his line of fire, hold the torch so that it shines some lights into the room. And if it needs to uh, let a, an arrow fly when the door opens, that'll be, this it. is the plan. So you try the door handle here, and it is unlocked. And you swing the door open right, and you stand off to the side and shine the light in. And Swifty, inside this room, you see an old-world office 
space. There are desks with computers on top of them that seem to have been gutted for their technology a long, long time ago. There are some drawers um, in each of these desks and also some filing cabinets in the corner. But it is a very dusty, damp room, uh, which seems to be empty. All right, Swifty sneezes and then says, just looks like shells, Fontenot. Does Fontenot, all right, when he says that I'm going to step off the wall and kind of take a look in the room um and well you're gonna to have to give me just a second here I, I i i suspect but i just have to make sure i'm gonna uh, go into the room and look to see if there is any tech left in these computer shells i can't not check yeah so uh why don't you go ahead and make me a lore tech roll? I hate my miserable life. <laughs> <laughs> that would be a seven after my plus three for lore tech. Uh, you start digging around, looking at these computers. Um, you're trying to remember what you've read about these and books and what your friend Elaine had maybe told you about and uh, about them. And uh, you just can't quite remember, you know, maybe the the parts that maybe most scavengers or scavers miss when they're looking at this old technology. You fiddle around with it, but you aren't able to find anything of value. Any Commodore 128s in there, Fontenot? No, I, I, I haven't seen any seafaring folk in here at all. Um, <laughs> just some uh, very hollowed-out husk of what used to be old folk technology, but it appears somebody has beat us to the punch, and all of the good stuff is taken. Uh, but shall we then to the to the next room? Let's go. Yeah. So uh, I'm going to flip over to Gail and Annabelle, who begins begin to walk uh, to the east on the platform. When you get to that corner and you're able to see that door that you saw from the other side, and you can also see the platform that crosses diagonally and is suspended from above, um, which would cut down to the southwestern corner. Um, would you like to try the door here? Yeah. I'll, I'll try the door. Go ahead. I've just so got my rifle you, out. You try this door, and this one is locked. Can I assess with my lockpicking skill if it's an easily quick pickable lock? <laughs> Uh, we won't make your roll here, but you, you look at it and you think, oh, you could definitely pick this. Uh, uh, it's basically like skeleton key style lock, uh, you know, easy sort of thing. Or you could also, the door is so frail, you could, you know, bust it down if you wanted to pretty easily. How much noise do I think that would make? Oh, it would probably make a bit of noise. I'll try to pick it. Okay. 
don't want to wake up any sleepy vampires or oranges. <laughs> oh, you're going to make a locksmith roll for me, Sam? I thought you said earlier <laughs> I didn't have to make the roll. Oh, just to assess it. Sorry. Oh, okay. Anything. 14. Yeah, 14. You easily pick this door and it creaks, but very quietly open. And um, inside this room are filing cabinets after filing cabinets. Um, there's stacks and stacks of paper, and they sort of look like uh, something out of one of Swifty's dreams. Paperwork. Swifty is holding, like, having to forcibly hold himself back from all of this paperwork, but we gotta make sure everything's safe first. Is this room as dusty as you described the other one? Yeah, and the, the paperwork is all musty, so maybe it's one of Swifty's nightmares. But this room, uh, just covered in, uh, covered in dust, you can tell that maybe mice or rats have been making nests um, within the old papers. Does it look like there's any bigger trails in here than mice or rats? Uh, you look around the room here and yeah, no, no bigger trails um, from any other types of animals that you've seen um, or things other than animals either. There's no other doors or other entrances or exits to this room. Uh, no, there is a old window that would look outside, but this one is boarded up. Can I read the top of one of the papers? Mm. Yeah, it's it's in the old speech, um, but even just looking at it, you can tell that this is like something to do with shipping and other types of uh, logistics. I don't think there's anything notable in here. You want to move on? Yeah. So, back out the room. And that was the only room on this side, right? Uh, the only one that you saw um, uh, initially. <laughs> yes, yeah, the only one that you saw initially. Abelad, right before you're about to leave this room, uh, Annabelle, you in particular, since you have such a high vigilance score, you hear something out in the hallway, some footsteps with the, making this sort of metallic noise echoing throughout the depot here. Uh, they seem to be coming from the far south side of the depot. Now, I've been with my comrades for a while now, and I'm going to assume this doesn't sound like any of their boots. Definitely. Uh, I would say, yeah. Maybe, definitely not. It's hard to tell, maybe, but... Uh, I don't know. Yeah. I think Swifty has a very officious sound to his footsteps. Um, yeah. Fondnose has a bit of a limp. He's been very injured ever since Gooseberry uh, burned him. <laughs> right in the pride. It, it sucks somatic, but it's real. <laughs> it's real. But it sucks you can suck. look across the, the hall, and you do see a glowing coming from one of the rooms across the hall. And you um, might assume that's where your friends are. I'm going to take the butt of my rifle and kind of like bump Gale with it and kind of use the nose to kind of point out and like point in my ear, like ears up. Um, 
And hopefully he understands that I'm trying to get him to listen to out in the hall. I'm going to go into stealth mode and do my best impression of a jungle cat. Jesus. Just slinking through the forest. Scale begins to slink. Uh, You (laughs) look down the hall and with your finger torch still, Annabelle, you can see that a little bit further ahead of you is a second door um, down this platform. Let's switch over to uh, Swifty and Fontenot, though. Absolutely (laughs) not. The two of you are exiting your room, and then you also hear some clink, clink, clink um, from the south, uh, southern side of the depot. Um, And when you look out, uh, Fontenot, I imagine, do you scan with your flashlight? Absolutely. It's a torch, but yes. Oh, sorry. Oh, yeah, you got a torch. So it doesn't do much, uh, too much good for you then to sweep it. But as you hold it up, uh, you you can just barely uh, see down that far. And um, there is nothing there when you look. Switchy, did you hear footsteps? Uh, I see nothing, but I swear I heard something. Mm-hmm. And Swifty's going to, like, narrow his eyes and make sure that Bones is with us. Even though he knows Bones is not making that noise, it's just like the, God, I hope it's Bones making that noise. (laughs) Nope. Dogs don't wear boots. (laughs) Or whatever noise. Uh, So Swifty is going to very cautiously, with bow drawn, you know, arrow knocked, start advancing down the hallway. Uh, Hopefully, and he's sort of like gesturing to Fontenot to to follow, but at a pace back. Yeah, and uh, as I start to follow, I'm going to reach into my underarm uh, holster, and I'm going to withdraw Pogo and yeah. place him down on the ground and say, Pogo, go find him. There's something out there, boy. Pogo begins to just motor down this platform and he passes the next door, which as you look is actually boarded up anyway. Um, And he goes up to the third door at the end of the hallway and he begins sniffing around over there. Swifty, there's something in the third door there. Sure looks that way. Yeah. It's either that or there's sausage. Well, uh, I think either way we've got to check it out <laughs> Agreed <laughs> We'll move down to the third door Now is this catwalk Completely um, Squared off right So or is it just On one side and another And then the the catacorner One Or are there also words the north and south uh, <laughs> is it a square with a diagonal cut in it or is it a big uh upside down in letter how's that uh, for words <laughs> it's a rectangle with a uh an angle coming through it which is a so there's a way to get across to the other side either by taking the diagonal or by taking the base and the yep. diagonal is closest to the south door, right? It goes. That's correct. Yep. And as that, you on our door, end, 
Right. And then we if we wanted to, we we would run basically to where Annabelle and Gale are. Correct. All right. So we get over there to the door. I'm going to stand on the side of it, look at uh, Swifty and just give that nod that is this is the door opener procedure. And uh, yep. uh, first I'll reach over and very lightly kind of uh, try to move the handle um, to see if this door is unlocked as well. The door is unlocked. All right, so I'll give that knowing look to a Swifty, and here we go. And I'll push the handle down, toss the door open on the inside, and step to the side so he's got a clean shot if he needs it. Swifty, as the door swings open, you see a middle-aged man in a knee-length smock lying on the floor. Sir, is pouring into this room from uh, part of the uh, wall, uh, which has collapsed. Sir, do you need assistance? No, I'll be fine. Oh, I'm sorry. I thought you were <laughs> At the sound of your voice, the man seems to stir a little bit. Sir, this is Warden Swift. Do you need assistance? Nonverbal communication is fine. Just give me a thumbs up. And as he rolls towards you, he has a uh, a gag in his mouth, um, and you can see that his hands have been tied up. I, I'd accept a, a a a thumb up from your foot that doesn't have a boot on it. <laughs> so that's a good You're question. Correct. Does is he missing a boot? He is missing one of his boots, and um, yeah, he is still stirring, only semi-conscious. All right, Swifty will go into the room, but before he does, you know, he gets in and he immediately turns around, checks his corners because that's procedure. Procedure, and then will advance to Mister Nash if there's nothing waiting to ambush me, and mm -hmm. undo the gag. You check the corners and you notice that this sort of looks like it used to be an old bedroom or something, or somebody might have been squatting in here. There's sort of a makeshift cot and bed. The wall that has collapsed has fallen on top of it and crushed a few bits and bobs and bags. And one of the things that has been crushed is... Um, uh, appears to be a fiddle. Um, and uh, this fiddle, compared to everything else in the room, definitely appears to be of much greater quality. Okay, uh, so I'm going to go in, I'm going to undo the gag, and I'm going to say, Dr. Annabelle, we got a live one. And then I'm going to suggest to Fontenot that there is some um, old world stuff I'm going to direct him to the fiddle to see if he can glean anything from it. Yeah. The minute I see the fiddle, I become very interested. I would like to go check out the fiddle. Yeah. I'm hoping it's a golden fiddle laid at the ground at Johnny's feet. Yes. We aren't in Georgia. It's in Georgia, yeah. You're not. <laughs> Some of us are. Yeah. <laughs> Only in a state of mind for me. I'm sorry. Maybe in the future, yeah. <laughs> 
What do you want to give me a role to check out this fiddle? Like an assess role to give it some quality. You could, if you got a book on you, you could do like a research role. You could do. Yeah. So I have a couple of books that I could pull out of my backpack. Uh, Artifacts of the Long Ago. How about that one? Oh, yeah. Give me that one. All right. So if I use that, then I'm going to roll a uh, research roll. Mm -hmm. And I am a total of plus three on research. Twelve. Hey, that's good. Solid. Yeah, this is a fiddle, and it's a very old, old fiddle. In fact, this fiddle um, definitely has been a around um, longer than... Um, longer than anything you've ever seen before. You think it might even have come from the old world, maybe has been restored. It's uh, been really well kept. And you imagine that if it weren't broken in two right now, that it would have been worth quite the sum. This is very interesting find, Swifty. This, this is an incredible artifact. Unfortunately, it's been damaged, but I don't... We must, uh, I don't know, take it with us, and maybe somebody can restore it to its, its proper glory. But this is, this is both uh, exhilarating and and depressing at the same time. Strange that it's here, though, right? Well, yes, I hadn't thought of that. I was so caught up in the very fact that it was here that I hadn't thought about should it be here. <laughs> hmm. Hmm. Is there anything else around it? Like maybe a bow? Uh, yep, there's, you find a bow um, next to it. You find a few other um, like things related to musical instruments here and there. This just a sort of an assortment of them, like this old harmonica and things. But the fiddle is definitely um, stands out above all the rest. Um, and then there are other few things, you know, that uh, suggests that somebody might have been living or squatting here at, at some point in time. Clothes, that sort of thing. Okay. All right, I'm going to try and bring Nash around. Sorry, Rick, I didn't interrupt you. No, actually, I was going to just wrap it up here and kick it over to you, so go. Yeah, uh, so I want to get Annabelle over here just so she can check on him, uh, and I'm going to try and bring him around at least to the point where we can begin the gentle interrogation. Yeah. Um. So, Annabelle, do you want to come to him, or do you want to wait until we flip back over to the two? So, from where we're standing, we can see that they are in that room, not at any immediate danger that we're aware of. But from what I heard, is that the direction I heard the sound, or no? You think it would have been, like, maybe directly, either directly south of you, um, but definitely not in that corner. Could have been, like... Uh, on the center of that platform to the south of you, or it could have been in the corner directly south of you. So I'm going to look over at Swifty and I'm going to tap my ear and then tap the direction. I think that I heard the thing and look at him for the, do you understand nod? Of course. And we then practice, uh, we yeah. practice our hand, our hand yeah. signals. That's part of the manual. So I'm going to give him a little bit of a, like, let's swap. Chapter four, communicating in a no-sound environment. Right. 
that I want to swap places with him, that I'm fine going over there and checking on him because that's my job, but somebody needs to come over here with Gale. Right. And since we're in a turn-based uh, role-playing game, you know, Swifty will cue his action and, and then right, we'll... Yeah. <laughs> but yes, I will go over there to check on Mr. Nash. When I see Annabelle leaving, I'm probably going to go with her because I would think there was something important found over there. So I think that's totally fine. Yeah. Okay. Then I would redact everything I just said. Well, I think Gail's just afraid of being left alone. <laughs> like, don't leave me. This place got rats and all kinds of stuff jumping out of me. I punched my leg, damn it. I peed a little. <laughs> yeah. So are you all going to meet up yeah, in that corner? Yeah, we'll all meet up in that thing, uh, in that room. So Bury the floor can withstand four people. Dude, you walked on the platform through the middle that cuts diagonally across the building here. And again, you can hear your footsteps echo on this uh, uh, on this middle platform. And eventually you reach that uh, room in the southwestern corner. And you can see Swifty standing over the body of somebody who's maybe on the verge of consciousness. But doesn't look good to your uh, look too well to your expert eyes, Annabelle. Annabelle, give him some of that sausage. It's miracle sausage. It'll work wonders. Um, <clears throat> can I use my medicine kit to revive him to some degree? Yeah, give me a nurse physical roll. Was oh, a nat twenty plus three. Whoa. It's a natty. So you slap him. No. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Quit being a baby. <laughs> you uh, pull out your medicine kit and you've got some of these old uh, sort of smelling salts and run them underneath his nose and, um, and he begins to come to here. And when he opens his eyes, they've got that bluish glow to them. Uh, as well, and he looks very shocked and a, a bit panicked, and he just says, "Trap me!" She said, "I," she said, "I, I broke it. I was just, just doing my job." And he's looking very panicked, and uh, his eyes begin to roll back, but he's definitely still conscious. He just looks like he might lose, uh, he might lose it a bit here. Um. Yeah, so I'm gonna kind of redirect his like face towards mine. Who who's she? Who's she? And then I'm gonna turn to Swifty and kind of signal for him to keep eyes on out the door. Um, Swifty who, will move yeah. to the door and guard the room. Yeah. Uh, who who are you talking about, uh, Shug? Tell me tell me what's going on. The the woman, she, uh, she black hair, um, t- tattered dress, and. Then suddenly um, his eyes shut and he goes limp. He falls unconscious again. Not dead, just unconscious. Okay. Um, so I'm going to undo his binds and his hands and all that stuff and kind of set him up to, you know, prop up against a wall instead of laying on the floor. Um, boys, we need to find out one where this woman is and two 
we need to get him some some proper medical attention. Um, but three, we also need to figure out that noise because it's definitely coming from down the way. It was not coming from this side. He, he mentioned something broken, and Swifty will look pointedly at the fiddle. Yes, I suppose he could have meant that. That would definitely... Um, I mean, well, most people would be quite upset. over there at the fiddle, you'll see... Fontenot on the ground, flipping pages back and forth on his uh, artifacts book and looking. And you probably hear him mumbling, but it says here there might be an engraving on the back or maybe even a label on the inside depicting when it was made and by who. This is quite interesting. And he's looking for, you know, where does it say Stradivarius on this thing? I'm going to do a pointed... <clears throat> oh. I'm, I'm sorry, and I'll stand up, and as I do so, uh, I will uh, put the harmonica in my pocket. <laughs> well, those are the tools of an entertainer, and we did have our eyes on an actress. And he did say she. Right. What was, do we have a physical like? description? Right. Of the of the actress, mm -hmm. uh, she has blonde hair, so notably different than this person who had. Uh, he described as having curly black hair and a tattered dress. I mean, wigs exist. Yeah, but if she could afford a wig, why would she be running around here in tattered dresses? Because <laughs> she's a monster. She's I don't an know. actress, and it requires them to play different characters, which sometimes requires costuming. Or so I have heard. That's very true. But, or it's a completely different person. Um, well, that does not fit into the theory of the case that we have, so we should ignore any evidence that doesn't <laughs> point to our pre-assumed conclusion. So take this word down. <laughs> Confirmation bias. Smith is like, what's that? <laughs> that ain't in the manual. Confirmation bias. Well, I've never heard of any. That's person. when you only look for answers that suit what you would like them to be. Well, I didn't know there was such a powerful sounding name for it, but it suits. It's important. Yes. Uh, I do suggest we go check out the rest of these room because I definitely heard something down there. Yes, yep, let's uh, go. Let's go investigate the noise. Um, start to walk out with the two pieces of the violin and then figure out a way that I got to do something because my gun is laying on the ground where I set it down as I was looking furtively through my book. Swifty produces a small evidence bag. A small evidence bag of holding. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will place the uh, pieces of the violin in there and pick up my gun. Okay, Swifty I'm ready. He ties now. it off and gives it to you. It's like your this chain of custody. This is this is yours now. You're gonna need to fill out a form for that. I was afraid yeah, of that. Yeah, so I'll throw it on my backpack. Yeah, I'll just add one one more thing. You as you pick up your gun, you look a a little bit more closely at the clothes. I won't, I was uh, saving this for a search roll here, but you actually notice some peculiar things about the clothes, which is that um, there are men's clothes there. There are also women's clothes, including a tattered dress. And as you pick up and examine the tattered dress, something falls out of its pocket. It's a folded piece of paper. I'll pick up the piece of paper and unfold it. Mm -hmm. The folded 
piece of paper. It's got one of those S symbols that everybody drew in the 90s on it. <laughs> yeah. Yes, just from doodling. Wow, letters, what is this old world artifact? The Do they worship this? A-U-S-A-G-E. Yeah. <laughs> it, uh... <laughs> The whole world does not revolve around sausage, Gail. <laughs> so, those like all that four hours. You unfold this piece of paper, and it is um, an advert, and it actually looks very familiar. It's the same advert that you saw on Hamilton King's wall. It depicts um, our famous actress here, uh, Marguerite Lynn, and it's an advert for a show called The Black Dog, and it says at the bottom that the premiere of the show is tonight. My compatriots, look here. Among these clothes, which I might point out, there is a tattered dress as described by the gentleman over there, but... This playbill from the uh, very show we're going to tonight. So the Swift. linkage to to uh, Miss uh, Marguerite appears to be stronger than just supposition at this point. Swifties looks at Annabelle and is like confirmation bias. <laughs> no, Swifty, this is not confirmation bias. This is just confirmation. Confirmed. We were correct all along. Feels good, man. Is there a, you know, there's a tattered wig, there's men's clothes, the women's clothes, uh, supporting Tattered dress, theory. not a tattered wig. <laughs> be an awful wig. <laughs> Did I say tattered wig? It was because I was They're trying to build up to asking the question, is there a wig in any of this? <laughs> oh, okay. <laughs> uh, you do not see a wig around. Okay. Well, étrangers as shapeshifters could conceivably change their hair and hair color, correct? That's true. Well, that's very estrange. Yeah, that was weak. I apologize for that one. I'll show myself out. <laughs> it was contract. 50 points. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, got my wits about me, found this stuff out, and now my gun is at the ready in front of me, and we shall go investigate the noise. There's yeah. something tells me it's going to be on the the uh, the horizontal catwalk there. I just, I, maybe because that's the scariest part of this whole thing to me is that particular walkway. So you're heading to that southeastern corner, is that correct, across mm -hmm. the, okay. Um, as you begin to walk over there, you do hear a noise. Um, it's very, very quiet and persistent. And it's sort of this sizzling or hissing type noise. And Fondo, like as you, you hold up your torch, and you get a little bit closer to the southeastern corner, you notice that there is another barrel of gunpowder up on this level and there is some detonation cord sticking out and it is appears to be burning we've got to get out of here now somebody out. this damn thing run 
So we're going to go in turn order here um, just to see if you all can make it out in time. You do not necessarily know how long there is um, uh, for you to get out, but you can move. I have a map in front of me, but you can move about 30 feet each time. And I'll uh, tell you how far you'd like to or how far you can get out of here, though. Uh, you can also sprint on your turn, uh, which uh, allows you to move your normal movement on your character sheet. Um, so you have a move area, like for Fontenot, he has 20, and then he can sprint. Fontenot does not have a very good sprint. It only gives him an extra five feet, so he can move 25 feet in his turn here. Um, and you might have to jostle past each other or take other avenues out. So we're sticking with our original turn order which begins with Gail. Gail, I think you're at the back of the pack here. Is that correct? Pretty much, yeah. All right. What would you like to do here, Gail? Uh, Fontenot holds up the torch, and you can see there's a lit keg of gunpowder. Down on the bottom main floor, when I was sifting through the grain, the moldy grain, how thick would I reckon it would be? Would I have any idea of that? Oh, yeah. You think a few, at least more than a few feet uh, deep. You dug through it. Um, you think it'd provide a mighty cushion. Well, that's exactly what goes through his head. You know, that right. grain, it's kind of damp and kind of fluffed up. Full of dead bodies. I bet there's going to be a traffic jam getting down the stairs. So maybe What's if I were to just in it? <laughs> maybe if I were to just jump off, I'd be all right. And he's going to try to jump and make it for the humptiest hump of grain that. that he saw. So you are extremely fast. Um, you have. 65 feet of movement, yeah. which is like the max you can even get. Uh, so are you going to sprint, uh, too, to get that full movement? Or are you just going to go partway? Uh, so it's going to take you about 70 feet to get to the middle of that, uh, of that diagonal catwalk where you could jump off into the green. I'll go ahead and sprint. Okay. So you sprint and you get almost all the way to the middle of that catwalk there, meaning that on your next turn, you could leap off into that grain here. Okay. Anything else that you want to do on, on your turn? Um, I don't think so. Okay, cool. Uh, moving on to Swifty. Uh, Swifty, you are towards the front of the pack here. What are you going to do? So Swifty would like to sprint back to the room that Mr. Nash is in. Mm -hmm. And I want to look around to see if there's anything heavy or sturdy enough that I could tie my rope onto. Because you said part of the wall is collapsed, right? Like, so it's out to the open. I'd yep. like to see if I could tie a rope on and, like, provide an escape route down that way. Because I also want to make sure that Nash doesn't explode. Uh, mm -hmm. So... Would you like me to make a search roll or something? Uh, am I, well, am I able to do that after sprinting? Yeah, so if you're going to sprint, you have 50 feet of movement here, which... Um, 
uh, gets you right up to that door. Um, so you'll be able to look in and you do see that there's like this large beam, uh, wooden beam on the wall. Uh, and you could definitely tie your rope to it on your next turn there. Okay, that's going to be my plan. And I'm I'm articulating that to people. I'm like, multiple exits, some of us can get out that way. You know, we don't all have to block the stairs. Um, up next is Annabelle. What would you like to do here, Annabelle? Um, I have a question, uh, mm -hmm. just so I understand. So is it movement or action? Or is there a I, movement and action and uh, a blitz action as well? Okay. If you have one, so like sprinting is a blitz action. So I would like to use my level one ability, which is inherent ward, mm -hmm. which allows me to see invisible characters with an action. Actually, it lets you, or so that's a passive one, and it lets you if they're using this special action that turns oh. them invisible, well, um, like then you're able to see them. Yeah. And you look around you, and you do not see anything special. But that doesn't cost you a move or anything okay. like that. Then I'm also going to sprint back to Mr. Nash. Okay. And how far can you get here? Not far. Um, I believe my movement is... Um, where is that on there? Oh, um, 15 feet and 5 in sprint. I can't go right. very fast. I got little legs. You and Fontenot. Uh, <laughs> you get almost halfway to the door. You can see Swifty um, about maybe 30 feet in, in front of you here. Okay. Fontenot. So I am slow. Is it possible to quickly make an assessment of the state of play on this fuse before I run. Like, is there enough of it left that I can go over, yank it out, or use my hunting knife and, and cut it so that I stop the impending explosion? I'd like to quickly make that assessment. And if my answer to that is no, I'm going to run like hell for 25 feet. Um, and if the answer is yes, I'm going to try to disarm it. So from where you're standing, which is still a little bit away from it, um, you can, uh, you might guess that maybe there's still something you could do about it, but you'd need to get closer to tell. Do it. So yeah. one shot, do it. <laughs> okay, I'm moving. I'm gonna... <laughs> Look, I know that I'm slow anyway. And even with the fast people, I'm afraid if this thing goes off, then the other five kegs down below are going to go off in rapid succession. So I'm worried that even the fast people may not be able to get far enough away on this. So I'm going to go towards the keg and see if there is room and time left to defuse it. Yeah. Okay. You can always count on me to be the devil on your shoulder. Yeah. <laughs> Do it. You get up to it, and there's not much time, but you think you might be able to defuse it if you're lucky. So you still have an action here to defuse it. It would be a tinker roll, and if you don't have anything in tinker, the good news is that you have that adapt ability. 
Yeah, I have one level in Tinker, so that makes it a plus zero. And, yeah, and that applies for And then I got two for the aptitude or for mm -hmm. um, aptitude. Yeah, APT. Is that mm -hmm. aptitude? Yeah. Yeah. And but yeah, then, you can still use that adaptability because it's at a plus zero. Yeah. Exactly. So I will be rolling then best of two on my tinker roll, which is a plus two. This was all those terrible rolls was just to get them out so that I have the good roll available for this particular instance. I don't know how to take that face. Well, one's a three and one's a four. Lincoln's beard. <laughs> your adrenaline points go into this or something is there anything yeah, yeah you got an adrenaline point <laughs> what, what can i do with an adrenaline point what is well that? normally you could have used it before and to give you a best of two <laughs> but i already had a best uh, damn it you know what best of three you know you deserve it here take one more roll this is it thank you kind baby in the sun <laughs> don't look like that that one's a six. <laughs> no! Plus two makes it an eight. No, no. You got to get rid of that dice, my guy. Uh, you take your knife and you're trying to uh, get that uh, detonation cord out before it blows. I'll let you know if it works um, okay. on your next turn. Gail. Can I you are her to run? Right? Do I have the... You well, let me see. It took you about twenty feet of movement to get there, which I think might be all of your movement plus sprint, right? Yeah, yeah. So that is as far as you can get there. Yeah, but I mean, can I tell Pogo to run? Oh, oh tell Pogo. Right? Yeah. I thought you said, "Can I run?" No, nope, just tell Pogo. Oh, yeah, you can tell Pogo to book it. I think he'll yeah. get out of here. He gets it. Save yourself. Get out of your dog. Go on. Get. Never yeah. got you anyway. You're a mutt. With a tear running down my eye. Go on now. Yeah. Nobody ever likes you. <laughs> he follows Annabelle, who is the one who always gives him treats. Here. Right. He's like, done. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever you say, man, I'm out. <laughs> Gail, back to you. You are in the middle, about the middle of the catwalk here. You can move a couple of feet, uh, then you can make a stunt roll if you want to jump down safely into the green. Gale is going to lock eyes on his intended landing point, and he's going to spread out like a, a squirrel, squirrel. <laughs> and take flight. Just belly flops into green, <laughs> face first in a moldy ass dead body green. <laughs> And you know, I was is... expecting Fontenot to be the first one to die. but <laughs> <laughs> That is a 14. Rather squirrel-like. With all your squirrel-like <laughs> prowess, leap gracefully off of, the, uh, off of the catwalk here. And as you do, there's just enough force that... Uh, the ropes, the wires that are suspending the catwalk, you can hear a couple of them snap and it begins to collapse. It doesn't fall down all the way. You leap off and into the grain where you land safely without taking any damage. Uh, you do 
fall on top of one of the dead bodies. Uh, the woman uh, who's in her 40s, you notice she has this black curly hair. Um, and as you land, you actually look up and you see someone leaving outside that door that you open. You just catch a glimpse of them. And they are, all you can see is what's trailing, what looks like a nice red dress. Um, but that's all that you catch out of the corner of your eye there. No hair color? You didn't catch a hair color. How much movement do I have left? Uh, you have all but five of your movements. So you still got 60,000 like feet. feet. Yeah. I'm going to use every wow. bit of it I have to yeah. follow that person out. Yeah. Let's see. Is most likely the gown she wears when she is particularly upset about something. It is the red dress of grievances. And you are able Boom. to get all the way to the door. Um, and when you look, when you look outside, there's no one there. Uh, corn dogs. <laughs> dun, dun, dun. A type of sausage, I might add. <laughs> furtively. Frank furtively. Your dad joke game is uh, Increase. more respect for me. Dude. Swifty, I think you're up here. So Swifty's going to use his action, I assume, to tie this, tie his rope off, and then yep. Uh, he's gonna shoulder Nash, and then start climbing down, like climbing out the. Yeah, so that's a difficult task. So it's and also it's ten feet to the uh, door here, and mm -hmm. then you've got about twenty feet down, um, and you're definitely gonna be moving a bit slower with Nash on your shoulder. So yep. twenty feet to the door, uh, and make me a stunt roll. To just make it without falling down here. I can do that. Got a plus two in stunt, I think. No, I got a plus three in stunt. Okay. Jeez. Swifty is a man of action. That's 15 plus three, 18. Nice. And you are able to um, get... Yeah, all the way down to the bottom. It's 20 feet. Your movement's halved, and that's all the way down to the bottom here uh, for your remaining movement, if you had sprinted, which I was assuming. Which I did. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, so you get down to the bottom, and um, yeah. Do I see Gail when, I, when I'm done? Uh, not here. You are okay. at the corner of the building. But you do hear someone yell, corn dog! <laughs> corn dog. <laughs> A corn dog. <laughs> All right, then. That's Gail's catchphrase. Uh, Annabelle. Uh, I'm going to continue my my short run to the room with my yeah. very small movement of, uh, what was it? 20 feet. 20 feet. 20 feet. Yeah. Yeah. And you. you 15 feet plus five for sprint, yeah. You get up to the edge of the door and you're able to look through and you can see Swifty's rope tied off and heading outside the building. Well, that's the end of my movement, so I'll just look at that party rope for a minute. Fontenot, uh, you are attempting to uh, 
disarm this burning keg and you are 100% certain that you failed. Do you want to try again? (laughs) You can. That's the question. And so my first question, though, is on this south side of the building, you'd said on the second floor there were some windows. I know we saw some windows in the rooms that we opened up. But are any windows along this wall? Well, give me a luck roll. Oh, no. There's been a change Here's of your dice. your new dice. I've got my new dice. Are you, uh, you wouldn't happen to be unlucky, would you, Fonda? <laughs> I am not. I'm going to double check that. But uh, Wait, wait. Are you odd or even? I am odd. So you've rolled like odd. a one, a three, like ones and threes all night long. Maybe use the bad dice. No, it'll roll a 20. Roll the bad dice. <laughs> so it is odd, and I'm rolling the new dice. That's a 14. <laughs> it's just whatever you need. The dice will be the opposite of that. So for Not Christmas, Rick needs multiple sets of dice. Loaded dice. Multiple dice. One is all odds. One is all evens. Right. You and Bob are going to have to so start there a are no dice windows club. on this side. No windows so on this side. a quick side. assessment. If I attempt, I'm looking at how much fuse is left or whatever, and I'm trying to make the determination that if I attempt it again, am I dooming myself to death if I fail it? Versus yeah. I could run like hell now and... So I guess I'm saying, am I making the decision that trying again is a point of no return? Uh, You look at the gunpowder here. You think you could try again. Do you think that you could get to the office space where Annabelle is just getting to before it blows? You think that's definitely a no. But you look down below. You're right at the edge of the railing. 20-foot drop, and then just south of you is that door that you saw Gale run out of. If you take the leap of faith here, squirrel or not, um, you might be able to get out in time. Do you right. squirrely punk? Yeah. So if there was a window there, I was going to just jump out it, figuring the fall damage would be worse than the explosion damage. So I will do that. I'm just going to leap over the little railing here. And take my 20-foot drop. And on the way down, I'm thinking, keep your knees bent and roll. (laughs) That was in Chapter 5, what to do when finding themselves in a fallen situation. Yeah. Uh, Give me a a reflex roll here. Um, Or, I guess, give me a stunt roll because you're trying to do this nimbly. All right. I have absolutely nothing in stunt. You could use your adapt again if you yeah, want. I think you so. only have so many though. All right, so yeah, I, I get uh, I've used it twice, right? And I get it equal to my log modifier, which means I've already used oh, it more time than I should have. <laughs> All right, I do <laughs> no, you've only used it once so far. Okay. Yeah, so I guess you use yours up. All right, so here we go. 
The stunt row is a 10, unmodified and nothing to modify it with. So. All righty. I will, uh, yeah, you uh, fall to the ground, you bend your knees, and you hear a crunch as significant pain, uh, pain shoots up from your ankle. You have definitely injured it, and you're going to take the um, wounded condition, which I'll tell you about a little bit later here. Mm-hmm. But one of the bad, bad pieces of news for you is that it cuts your movement in half. My already spacious movement. You know that psychosomatic limp you had earlier? <laughs> it's real now. It's real Less now. psychosomatic, yep. <laughs> no longer. Visions of gooseberry. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, um, with whatever movement I have left now cut in half, I'm going to move towards the door. Two feet. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, you can move a total of, I think, is that 10 feet if you sprint as well? Um, it's because it'd be cut in half. So. Yep. so you are not quite out. You have a 10 more feet to go. Okay. Right. Top of the order, uh, Gail, you are already out. You uh, maybe see Swifty poke his head around the corner. Is there anything that you'd like to do here? Maybe help your friend? Would I have heard the unceremonious thud and cracking yes so the yelp of pain the yelp and pain <laughs> I, I would like to make my way back into the source of that sound to try to i'm going to assume it's somebody i know hopefully mm-hmm. not a dog you look over and it is your uh good friend fontno and he is holding his ankle fontno you all right, man? It's going to blow, man. It... Damn it. <laughs> the pressure has got me out of my accent. <laughs> Oi. Uh... Blimey. It's going to blow. <laughs> Sorry. Oh, it's bugger right off in. Um, yeah, it's going to blow, man. <laughs> come here, come here. And I'll try to, like, shoulder him. Shoulder him. Your, your kindness is most hospitable, but really, it is about to blow. The fuse is very short. We must move. All right. And I'm going to try to help him move out. Yeah. So you move. Uh, you basically only had to go 10 feet in. And if you're sprinting again, you got 50 feet. If you're carrying him, uh, it cuts your movement in half or if you're pulling some of his weight. Uh, but you still got plenty to go. So you basically are carrying, dragging Fontenot out of the building here. Okay. Um, up next, uh, Swifty, you are down below. You uh, see, uh, you maybe yeah, can catch a glimpse of Annabelle through the big hole in the wall, as well as Pogo and Bones. Uh, I'm going to sort of put Mr. Nash on the ground for a moment. And I'm just going to extend my arms and say, just jump. I'll catch you. To Annabelle or the dogs? <laughs> All of them. <laughs> Every single right. one. Romantic Annabelle. music playing in the background. A look You're passes up. between Swifty and Annabelle. And Bones. <laughs> I believe you mean Swifty and Pogo. I was about to say. <laughs> 
Anvil, um, you're up at uh, 15 feet to the door, and you would have to climb down um, otherwise. Or you could leap into Swifty's arms, which would just be a, a stunt roll if you want to. Does me, like, sitting there waiting give Annabelle a bonus of some kind? <laughs> yes, it will. <laughs> but I'll calculate that. <laughs> um, do I feel as though if I jumped... Bones could get himself down. Uh, I don't know how a dog would climb down a rope. I've been trying well, to think about it. Bones could leap leap down, and you could try to catch Bones and Pogo as well. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick up Pogo, and I'm gonna send Bones to jump first. Okay. Uh, I will await Bones with arms out. Bones is a wolfhound, and I don't know if you know, but those are big ass dogs. <laughs> yeah, and if he can stand the dog, maybe he's a strong yeah. boy. Like if you can handle that hundred and thirty pound dog, I think I'm mint. <laughs> All right, so go ahead and roll the stunt roll for Bones, which is a d twenty plus two. He rolled a one. Oh no! Three total. Bones. He gets really timid, but. Swifty. We don't kill dogs. <laughs> yeah, we don't. <laughs> Swifty, give me a, a reflex roll here. Okay. All right. I have a plus three in reflex, so that, that's conceivable. Yeah. Roll the 12th. That's 15. Nice. Yeah, that's good. At the last second, Swifty dies. <laughs> yeah, like... <laughs> and as he leaves this, again, paperwork flying behind him... <laughs> All point pens, which are apparently around. <laughs> and you catch bones at the last second and cradle his fall. And I say, who's a good boy? And Annabelle, do you trust him? Do you trust Swifty to catch you now? Yes, I do. Yeah. Okay. With Pogo in your arms? Yes, because yeah. he's tiny. Make your stunt room. Which is not going to be good because I'm at a negative two <laughs> on the stunt roll. Do you have an adrenaline point? No. F. I have not done anything impressive. <laughs> I have neither. I've been nothing but snarky. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that no. one? That one? That one. Ah. Oh, I no. need new dice. <laughs> uh, Annabelle, you like go to leap and you just lean over and fall. <laughs> <laughs> At last, I think you swirl out, <laughs> thankfully for Pogo, and Pogo gets out from underneath you here, but um, you are, oh, I forgot to roll damage for Font. <laughs> we'll, uh, we'll get right to that later. Um, Let's circle back around to how you get hurt. <laughs> Let me finish getting hurt first. Yeah. So uh, you take six damage here. It's not oh my like God. armor or anything. It's pretty big. I feel like this is the scene from the Muppet Christmas Carol where Rizzo is on top of the thing and he jumps and he's uh, Gonzo is like running towards and he just like runs under the arc. Just, just splat. Exactly. Yeah. And you are now injured as well. Um, or wounded, excuse me, as well. Um <laughs> and I'll tell you a little bit about what that means uh, at a different point here. But we're coming up to Fontenot. Fontenot, uh, Gail is dragging you out of the building. Did you want to go ahead and give me my uh, 
damage now. Oh, yeah, I might as well. I could get mushy here. Oh my god. You only <laughs> sure. You only take two damage, so <laughs> uh Apparently Fontenot. it's not broken, it's just a high ankle spray. <laughs> Gale drags you out of the building, and we'll end our session tonight no. when all of a sudden behind you, it begins with an explosion on the top floor, and then several explosions on the floors below as the kegs of gunpowder go off and the building erupts behind you. We all have to make reflex saves. Uh, no, we're gonna say no for this time here. We'll see. No, I'm already on the ground. We're doing that cool walk away from the explosion thing, but two of us are limping profusely. Right, mostly limping. <laughs> we'll save those reflex saves for next time. Okay. Oh, good. Yeah. Actually, uh, I read so, in Swifty's book that we we were fine. Did you give me your stuff. dice when you switched? No. Mine are safely in jail over here. So that does mean one more episode. I'm uh, yeah. sorry about that. I was hoping to wrap it up tonight, but the next one will likely be short unless I manage to drag it out for two hours. Uh, I don't, I don't think, think it'll be you. I don't think nope. the dragging out part is you at all. I think it's definitely <laughs> um, the four people on the outside here. <laughs> so I can tell you this. You do not need to apologize for us for there being one more episode. I'm having a blast with yes. this game in that session was so fun. It was, um, it was a literal blast. Literal as well blast. as a figurative one. I don't think I've ever ran from an explosion before. So I, <laughs> nope, that was great. First time. Yeah. It was awesome. <laughs> so, hey, thanks everybody for joining us as we went through our third episode playing Backwater um, All Kings. Yes. All Kings episode, our uh, scenario, having a blast. Yeah. Literally. Got blasted. We've got broken ankles. We got dogs. Broken violins. Dogs being cinematically and wonderfully caught by officious office workers. It's been a blast. Thanks, everybody, for joining us. Uh, we will be back probably next Tuesday, although we may have to look at which Tuesday we'll do it because we haven't really had an opportunity to talk schedules. But uh, keep an eye on our Twitter and, of course, You'll get a notification from uh, Twitch when we go live, but uh, we'll be back with the end of it. Thanks, everybody. Thank you, Asa, for doing this. Alex, thank you, as always, for joining us. And we will see you next time as we wrap this one up. Bye. Bye. Bye.